There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? Welcome to another uh, podcast. It's the Hale Varsity Varsity Club podcast. Derek Peterson here. Greg Smith joining me again today, and he's wearing a Mississippi State shirt. Can I ask you what the Mississippi State shirt is about? <laughs> so it's, you know, I, I just realized this. I didn't think about you know the fact that they eliminated Nebraska. Um, <laughs> I don't think oh. I, have not, I didn't even think about that until you just said that. Um, my wife is from that area, so I, every time I go okay. down there. Um, I end up on State's campus somehow, like very familiar with them. I root for them when they're not playing Nebraska. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have a bunch of Mississippi State gear. I just happen to be wearing this one today. Okay. I literally just realized you were wearing a Bulldog shirt, like just now. Stark Vegas, represent. What have you been doing with your week? It's spring break. Do anything fun? We were talking off the pod, and you said that you don't have any spring break stories. So. No, I really don't. Like the best spring break I had was probably staying in Lincoln when I had a house with a bunch of buddies. Um, my spring break this year has not been fun. Um, there's construction going on in my house, which has been uh, a borderline disaster um, from the beginning of wasted time and mess ups and defective flooring and extending the project. So. Not not happy. Uh, I kind of went through a similar thing. So I got a new phone on Tuesday, Good. and uh, my entire family switched our plan. We had three phones on Sprint. We had one phone on AT&T, and my family decided that while they were here, we were going to switch everything over to Verizon Wireless oh, because wow. I needed a new phone because my phone wasn't working. So my phone is working now yeah. after six and a half, seven hours sitting in a Verizon store on Tuesday. That... It was not fun. That sounds, I would say, I was going to say that that sounds like super abnormal, but going to the Verizon store is an all-day chore. Yeah. Like, it feels like no matter what I go in there for, it's always a longer process than I really want it to be. I well, love the coverage and everything else, but going to the store. Yeah, my phone works fantastic now, and I got a one of those new S9s, and they're pretty great, uh-huh. but uh, like midway through the process like verizon's fraud detection department like kicked back our everything that we had done oh, wow. and they're like yeah this is fraudulent activity and so we had to send over like a bunch of information and we sent like a, a city of edmond utility bill and they were like yeah that's not valid like we're questioning the validity of of a, a city issued bill and so that's weird <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun way to spend yeah so you didn't go you didn't go iphone x no, no, I went Galaxy S9, oh, and man. it's fantastic. There's this little thing that it does, so it has an always-on display. Yeah. Uh, and if you can see the little speckles on the phone screen right now, I do now, see that. When I looks like Star Wars. When I open it, oh. they turn into like these this like prism thing, and then when I unlock it, the prism goes away. It's like okay, these I actually really do things. like that. Let's see, because those are the types of things that get me to yeah. new new technology. And it's the little, That's really cool. the little things that you okay. gotta enjoy in life. Yeah, uh, I'm with you, but. Because uh, because that happened, I was kind of out of pocket for most of uh, early in this week. And I just realized yesterday that Syracuse players uh, <laughs> said something about Nebraska. Yes. And a certain uh, media outlet here got all up in their feels about it. 
<laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, and I find this... Uh, this it feels like it comes up all the time, especially and maybe it comes up more for me and my line of work with recruiting because it happens all the time with location and weather. Um, but I find this whole thing to just be exhausting. Like I'm so tired of this whole discussion about Nebraska and what it's like. Um, I just don't get so defensive about it. I didn't realize that like the flatness of the state was such a touchy subject. It, it's not flat. I just don't like and that's the thing is some of this stuff like you just can't deny like we should not be denying that there it's flat and that there's farms here like those are two things that are facts um now Omaha itself is a nice city like it's not you know Chicago or Miami or LA but it is it's a nice place um but I just feel like people are way too sensitive about that um and, and I guess if and maybe it's because I didn't grow up here I grew up in Chicago so maybe I just don't think of it that way but I did choose to come here so I don't know I, I maybe I just maybe am I thinking of it wrong I just don't know that Nebraska should be too like quick to jump the gun on a team like Syracuse who you know has all the final fours and <laughs> is still playing in the NCAA tournament and you know has national championships to their name uh, and Nebraska hasn't won a tournament game I mean uh, it feels a little harsh to say but at the same time like don't don't come at the king. But also, the the one weird thing about this, I guess, is, and then I've not been there, so I don't know for sure, but is Syracuse, New York, that different? Like, is there a more upstate New York, right? So yeah. that's I, I don't totally different than New York City. Like, we're not <laughs> talking about Brooklyn here. No, we're not talking about um, some, so, some sprawling metropolis. Yeah, so I don't know. So I just, it's just kind of odd. Though I also did see um, some discussions because this prompted its own side discussions. This was such a thing that should, I think it was Nicole Arbach actually from USA Today who I guess reported the this athletic, on Twitter. No. Oh, The Athletic, sorry. Um, I'm so used to saying USA Today. Just um, assume that if it's if it's anybody that's notable, they now work for The Athletic. That is true. Except um, for us. Ex- yes, except for we us. Work for like, should she had put that out because she overheard that in the locker room? I, that was a discussion that also happened here in Nebraska, of course. Um, is that should she have put that out? I did see some people that were questioning like her credibility as a reporter. Like, okay, we're not going to do now. that. Like, like, come on, like, it is Nicole. Like, we're not going to do that. But yeah, like I don't know. This whole thing is weird. It's all very strange to me. I need uh, sports to come back so that we don't keep talking about this. Like football needs to come back. <laughs> uh, we kind of have football. Back. We're reaching that very dangerous stretch of of the year where there is nothing going on unless you want to talk about baseball and i don't really want to spend 30 minutes each friday talking about baseball i'm trying again now for the third year in a row i believe to get back into baseball um i'm a huge white Sox fan um their farm guys are finally ready so they may actually be slightly in contention this year and but like i said this is the third year in a row i've said i'm going to get back into baseball i make it about two weeks and then i start falling asleep during games (laughs) Like, it's just what happens every time. (laughs) That's understandable. This week, we're going to talk a little bit. You're going to give us a recruiting update. You've got Big Red Recon that's going to... uh, We're recording it before it is published. By the time that this podcast gets published, it will be up. So get to hailvarsity.com and read that. We're also going to talk in a little bit about uh, some position battles that you and I are both keeping an eye on. And then we're going to wrap this up with, I think, someone that is becoming... Uh, one of the more intriguing names on this coaching staff and somebody that you and I kind of both have spoken to in the last week and been like, wow, this guy's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk Travis Fisher later. First, recruiting update. Give me a little nugget. 
<laughs> so what's going on? The the first thing I'll start with is what's it's not Nebraska related news because it's not a commitment for them, but it does relate to Nebraska. Um, five star, high four star. Um, we have him as a high four star um, quarterback slash athlete Isaiah Washington or Isaiah Williams, sorry, out of Trinity Catholic High School in St. Louis, decided to what a lot of people are looking at as a shock um, commit to Illinois this morning. Um, it was really a long time coming. This was not a surprise at all. Um, the reaction to all of this, to me, has been fascinating um, on a number of levels. From a Nebraska standpoint, first, though, um, I do get the feeling that Isaiah Williams is Nebraska's number one quarterback target on their board. Um, I think they like him a whole lot and think that and he is a dynamic athlete. If you ever watched his film, and a lot of people have, like he's truly a, a game-breaking athlete um, and would be devastating running this Scott Frost offense, um, but he'll be running the offense as of right now for Lovey Smith um, down in Champaign. But they hired, Lovey Smith did, hired away Trinity Catholic's um, head coach to come and be their tight ends coach, and now that's kind of set up a nice little pipeline into that school. And if you, most times when this happens, and it happens quite a bit, Michigan did this a couple of years ago for a quarterback. There's been other schools as well. Most times, though, it's only like one player, maybe two, that could possibly come to a program. I'm thinking Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, or like you're, and it happens in basketball too, right? In this case, though, you have, I believe it's four or five four-star or above prospects that are on that one team, Trinity Catholic, in addition to other guys that are lower rated, um, Bryce Childress, uh, athlete, uh, wide receiver slash defensive back that is high on Nebraska, actually, um, is a little bit lower rated on that team, but he's also interested in Illinois. Ira Henry, big offensive lineman, um, he's unrated right now. He's interested in Illinois, also Nebraska. Um, in addition to that, I mentioned the slew of four-stars that are also on that team. So if you can get... Basically, all of those guys to then go to Illinois, plus they have another top 50 recruit, Marquez Beeson, who, by the way, was a Nebraska commit last year, which people always forget about. It's really funny. Um, he's also committed to Illinois. They might be cooking with something here. Like I'm, I'm going to be so interested to see how that whole thing plays out. I, for one, am excited for uh, the 2020 Big Ten Championship between Nebraska and Illinois. You know, I don't know Except if I'll go. <laughs> no, it couldn't they're be because they're under vision. So uh, Thanksgiving Day game between Nebraska. And oh Illinois. yeah, might as well. Try. Yeah, just go ahead and start it. And just then... just schedule them because we know Illinois is going to be a powerhouse in three years. How? I, but see, the funny thing is, <laughs> is that and so <laughs> growing up in Illinois and knowing that Illinois has had their like little spurts of being good, and they had that Juice Williams time. Where I think they went to a Rose Bowl. Um, Ron Zook recruited really well when they were there. He just couldn't really coach. God, like I am kind of like they always are a team to me that should be better than what they are. Um, and I never quite understood why they couldn't be like why can't Illinois be better than Northwestern. Like, that shouldn't be a thing like the state school yeah. versus a private school. Yeah. Very high academic standards. Like, it's just an odd situation um, to be going through. Um, another thing going on uh, right now with Husker recruiting is, is I've kind of, and you'll see this in Big Red Recon, go read that, um, is that I kind of explore the idea of Nebraska fans needing to adjust 
their the way that they view Nebraska recruiting. I don't want to say lower expectations because that's not – hear me now. That is not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is that – Bringing out my pitch for Yeah, I there. see you already getting ready. I see your fist like that Arthur meme getting ready to go. Um, but the last staff and good authority, maybe people still on the staff, have told me that that staff got a little too infatuated with stargazing, right? Like they were – you could tell by kind of some of the offers that they put out, some of the guys that they had on campus that they didn't have a great shot – Um, at actually landing. They got a little too focused on that, a little bit um, less focused uh, on whether or not those guys were actually good fits, if they had the right mentality, um, if they had good work ethics. This staff is the complete opposite. We've talked to enough of these assistants now to know that they prioritize fit and mentality over anything, over measurables, anything, because two things. One, they are very, very confident in their ability as a staff to make you a better football player, and they're extremely confident in Zach Duvall and his staff's ability to be able to put weight on you and to get your body to where it needs to be to play in the Big Ten. So you're going to have to look at guys that they recruit a little bit differently, meaning there's going to be guys that are totally off the radar that are coming here for visits here coming up as we get visit season really ramped up um, during spring ball but it'll be fun to watch how these guys shape and mold their um, different recruits that they bring in you had a story up earlier in the week on uh, running backs and the thousand yard problem and Mm -hmm. you had asked coach held what were some of the things that he looks for in a running back and he said they like small guys and one of the the things that he said one of the the reasons that he gave was they look for guys that have a frame that you can add weight to that speaks directly to their confidence and their ability to just develop guys yeah i have two questions for you the first one you mentioned that isaiah williams was a guy that was high on nebraska's board as a quarterback how what camp are you in when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks? Do you like the way that say like Georgia does it where they're just like we're going to bring in the best quarterback in the country each year and we're going to make the competition better? Mm-hmm. Or are you one of those guys that's like we got our quarterback like say Adrian Martinez in the last class. Let's mm-hmm. kind of fill some other needs and and focus on him as the quarterback. I'm I'm very much more so on the Georgia line of thinking, and the reason for that is is think about what happened. There's two really good examples that come to mind immediately. One, Nebraska, um, with Taylor Martinez, and what happened during that time where he was a starter, multi-year starter, and I don't think they did a good enough job backfilling behind him. The same thing happened to me with Tommy Armstrong when he was a multiple-year starter. Now he went through. There was some co- a coaching change in there as well, so that gets a little bit tricky too, and a scheme change. Um, but another big one is to me what kind of happened with Mac Brown, Texas, and the Vince Young slash Colt McCoy situation. And you think about how they were not able to backfill quarterback well. Part of that though on Texas is that they missed on, on quarterbacks and misidentified who needed to be that next guy. I remember Garrett Gilbert famously um, was a huge recruit. Like he was a big time recruit. He just wasn't any good when he got there. Um, so no, I think you need to bring in a quarterback every year, especially if you run a system like Nebraska does, in which your quarterback is going to be more exposed to some hits, um, you want to be able to have quality backups as well. I'm in my my Florida memories apparently this morning because I posted something on the on the board earlier that was like, oh, I remember on the Florida days. But the the perfect example of that is Florida post Tim Tebow. That too, yeah. because it was like John Brantley, which was just brings back terrible memories for me, and then Jeff Driscoll and. Trayon Harris, who couldn't hit a five-yard slant. Wow, yeah. Yeah, just really, really bad years of recruit. Part of that is Will Muschamp. 
Um, but as part of that too, and sometimes this happens too, where those quarterbacks that you have are so good that other guys don't want to go there. But it, is it just me though? Or does it feel like that's a thing of the past? Like when you look at teams like Georgia and USC and some others now, where they're able to stack up these big time quarterbacks and teams aren't having, Washington is having the same thing. Like you're just not having that same situation anymore. I don't know if yeah. there's real evidence there. It's just kind of a feeling that that's happening less now than it did before. I think it's a changing in kids' attitude and that, that they think that they're the best yeah. thing since sliced bread. And so instead of instead of shying away from Vince Young yeah. <laughs> and Tim Tebow, you want to embrace it. Well, because you heard Justin Fields talk about that when he committed yeah. to Georgia is he wanted that quarterback competition. Yep. He wanted them. And, and then, you know, you hear guys all the time talk about how competition makes you better. We heard Mo Berry talk about that last week at, at Football Availability. Um, let's talk position battles. Okay. You teased this before we came on, and I'm really, really curious. We're not going to talk quarterback because quarterback, I think, is the most uh, likely and the, the highest profile mm-hmm. position battle that's going on right now. But what is a, a spot that you're looking at that you think is going to be the most intriguing or the most important whenever we begin the season in September? You know, it's funny that you just mentioned Mo Berry as he is actually involved in this battle. So I think that linebacker as a whole is a really intriguing position, and I think that there are a lot of quality bodies in that room, um, particularly on the outside. Like, I think that when you start to look at, you know, can Alex Davis get better, Quayshawn Alexander, um, does Cedric King go back to that um, role when Caleb Tanner comes in, Luke Gifford, if he gets back healthy, um, there's other guys that I'm getting off the top of my head um so i'm really ty ferguson, ty ferguson who's been mentioned um so they also haven't agreed on a spot for ben stilly yet i thought stilly was well i think he's going to end up being a defensive end i think that i ben, think he might but the, just talking to do it he he's like we're just going to play him wherever he's best and he i asked him if he wanted him at outside linebacker he yeah. said of course i do <laughs> nice so yeah so then he even he's then in the mix but I say all that to say about the outside guys to say that the inside linebacker spot is actually, to me, more intriguing um, because you have a couple, you have less bodies. I think Will Honus, and I'm on record as this, and he's, it's funny, he's retweeted me on Twitter saying that I'm a card-carrying member of the Will Honus fan club. It's really <laughs> funny, especially knowing something like about him and having talked to him because he doesn't talk at all. Um, so just knowing that he appreciates that is funny to me. He's going to get one of those inside linebacker spots. Like, write that down, okay? Um, he didn't come here to, to be on the bench and I from all accounts he's having a really good offseason um, picking things up quickly so the other inside linebacker spot battle between Dedrick Young and Mo Berry that's what to me is like how do you pick that so on one hand you have Dedrick Young who obviously has the experience factor here Um, and going back to his freshman year you feel like production wise it's like he's regressed and I don't think that that's necessarily any breaking news that it looks like he's regressed but the production is there just from a sheer number standpoint versus Mo Berry where man there were times last spring where we talked about him looking like the best linebacker that they had Um, and then they go out there on the field during the fall and you just don't necessarily see it consistently but then he's always the first guy to stand up and to be accountable for it you you saw him at the spring of um, availability as well like I feel like he's growing into a big time leader for this team whether or not he can win that job over DJ Young is a whole other thing and that to me is a fascinating battle because if you can get those two linebacker spots in the middle really shored up for this defense it can make them a lot better he's a guy that I really like Mo Berry and I've been on the record saying that before and he's gotten big this offseason so is everybody else though 
I like. I think kicker is going to be a really important spot. Jacob Padilla had a story on on kicking, and they've got no one that has kicked even an extra point or a kickoff at the collegiate level. It makes you nervous. Yeah, it makes you really <laughs> nervous. Like you go from you go from Drew Brown and the the steady leg that Drew Brown was, and and career you know numbers and things like that in terms of program history at Nebraska. And now you've got uh, choosing between walk ons. And a guy in Cole Fromm whose best highlight is like Twitter drop kicks and yeah. things like that, or Barrett Pickering, who's a freshman that has never attempted a kick in college. But he is here. Like remember, like and that's a key thing that's for important. him for Pickering is that and it's it's when people first kind of found that out that he was enrolling early, it was like, Oh, look at the kicker, why does he need to enroll early? Well, he's gonna be in a nice little battle here and especially when you yeah, you were handpicked as a scholarship kicker, um, and they honored the new staff, honored your commitment, but it wasn't handpicked by the previous staff, you know. So you never know yep. um, where you are on shaky footing there, especially when you have the walk-on kicker that you have. They have coming in, and his name escapes me right now. Um, was prolific in high school. <laughs> he was very, very good. So that battle could be pretty good, and it's something when this team does not have a huge margin for error this year, right? Yep. You expect some closer games um, that could play in play a big role in what they do this season well and again going back to to florida because i just watched so many of their games when i was younger they had a kicker that was really really good and set career marks at for their program and then he left and then they kind of went through a bunch of different kickers and they could never nail one down and it was one of those situations where there were there were legitimately games that they lost because they just didn't have a a steady kicker and like you it's one of those things that you don't worry about until you worry about it yes um, and, you know, you don't want to be in that situation this season with Nebraska, like you said, because they have a small margin for error. And Jacob had a had a, a thing in, in his story that he had up earlier this week. Um, DeWitt said that they were trying to get those guys into pressure situations and things like that. And he was like, you know, if uh, maybe we put them in a situation where they have to make a field goal or the entire team has to run sprints if they miss. <laughs> I was like, oh man, man that would you be... could make some enemies. Yeah, <laughs> like especially right as a there. freshman. Yeah. Oh for man, sure. <laughs> that's tough. That is a man. I'm nervous thinking about it. Wow. Yeah, that's not fun to think about. Um, my face hurts so much. So did you like, I think up? I think every time I come into contact with somebody from Oklahoma, something bad happens to my like sinuses or my immune system or something. My face hurts so much right now. Uh, <laughs> You're not allergic to Oklahoma. Let's talk Travis Fisher. What are your thoughts on him, DB's coach? I like him a lot, and I'm like I don't feel like uh, this is not a slight, but I'm surprised <laughs> by how much I ended up liking him um, and how easy he was to talk to, um, and how fired up he was. And I think that I feel a lot more comfortable saying that because he told me that he knows that the perception of him out there is that he's a really quiet and shy guy. Um, but he said, and he proved this to me after talking to him for a while, that once he gets going, he, he's a, a really affable guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's passionate about what he does and he mm-hmm. is confident like and I feel like I say that word all the time about this staff um, from top down Scott Frost that emanates from him as well um, but he's very confident in what he's able to do with these defensive backs and what he's done in his history um, and that he knows what what needs to be done it's true there's just a different air about this staff than maybe with the last staff maybe that's just the newness of it all maybe that's the excitement of not having a a season under their belt. I'm trying or? to put my finger on it, and it's so it's difficult because it's a mixture of they're very confident. They had very recent results to back up that confidence, 
they're a lot of them are quite accomplished mm-hmm. even though this is a young staff like it's just a a perfect blend and by the way they're really likable like it's a like and somebody somebody asked me this a friend the other day asked me you know was there any assistant coach that you felt like you know was a little bit more guarded than the others um like you've kind of seen in the past and i i could not think of one that we talked to that i was like man you know that guy was kind of hard to get answers out of like, I felt like yeah. all of them that I talked to would have sat there and talked for hours if they had been allowed to. Yeah. Like, it's just, a, so it's a, maybe that is part of the newness. Um, but, but I just find it to be, I find it to be kind of refreshing. But I also, it's infectious of their attitude and their confidence um, and their passion for the game. Because you can kind of tell exactly how that UCF team came to love that staff so much, right? A lot of people have wondered about that. Like, how did that exactly happen? I think you're starting to see that right away from these guys. Yeah, that's the thing. And one of the things when you look at the staff and in because there is such a newness to it, one of the things that makes me, at least me personally, think that this is a, a genuine, like that their confidence is not misplaced, is in the fact that everything seems like it it's all related to one plan. Everything all mm-hmm. ties back together. Everything is done for a reason. It just feels like they know what they're doing. They know how to get results. And there was a thing that, that Fisher said, uh, you know, he was talking about the, the timetable that they had at Central Florida where it took... You know, they went through that six and seven first year, and then they were undefeated the next year. And he was like, if it takes that long here, it takes that long here. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I was like, you expecting to go like 10 and two <laughs> this year? Like, that's some, that's, that's some, funny. that's some good confidence. Yeah, it definitely is. But I think that one of the things too, and, and remember, go, go back to when the stat, when Scott Frost was initially announced that he was going to be the coach and kind of the talk that every school goes through in that process of who the assistants are going to be um, and which big names everybody wants to bring in. Remember all of that? And then it became apparent that it was going to be the entire staff. And of course, there's questions about that um, because can those guys handle a bigger job? And ultimately, we still don't know that yet because they haven't coached any games. One of the things that I think a lot of people overlooked is the big, big benefits that come with bringing your entire staff. Basically, everyone came along. Like, all of the assistants came along. All of the strength staff came along. A lot of the support staff, almost all of them, I think, of the recruiting staff came along. So when that happens... There's no feeling out period. There's no period of having to mesh. And the great way to think about this is think about what happened last year when Bob Diaco is inserted into the Nebraska program and all of the ripple effects of what happened there. It is something that I don't think gets enough credit for its role and how things went sideways last year because ultimately it just failed and crashed and burned and people don't want to hear excuses. There was too much strain there. But there was a lot of strain and there was a lot of strain between, say, Bob Diaco's relationship with Dante Williams or Bob Diaco's relationship um, with Perella. Like, those guys were not all on the same Bob page. Diaco's relationship with, insert name here. Yeah, just insert a Bob Diaco's relationship with playing good defense. Like, it with all was there with, <laughs> like, it all was there. Um, you won't have those issues here because these guys are all on the same page and pulling in the same direction. 
And I think Ryan Held, I think it was, that mentioned um, in talking to him about they were kind of um, thinking about some plays and coming up with some stuff and about where they were in their installation. And they were found themselves skipping ahead because they were just so used to what they had done. And we're like, oh, wait, we haven't actually put this stuff in with this team yet. We've got to bring it back a little bit because they're so used to each other. I think that ends up paying big dividends down the road because you can hit the ground running um, with your team. Well, I think you've seen it already pay dividends because we've heard them say that this team is further ahead than than the team that they had at Central Florida. I think part of that has to do with the fact that everybody knows what they're doing and they didn't have to spend any time getting to know each other. They worked the kinks out two years ago. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And and with that being so fresh, they know what they they needed to tweak to have it go a little bit better. Greg Austin mentioned that a bunch. Um, Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It was more of a... A well-oiled machine, well, not exactly well-oiled, but just a, a, a working machine at this point than before where they were just trying to put the pieces mm-hmm. together. What you got going on this week? Doing anything fun this weekend? Um, so my best buddy, um, his future wife is having her bachelorette party. So I'm going to go to Omaha and hang with him and do man things. We'll see. Get on the grill. Maybe go shoot some pool. I don't know. I so no bachelor party, but she's having a no. She so we're gonna go and then do other things. We'll have the bad. I think his bachelor party is April fourteenth. I think this this week I nailed down the uh, party bus. So Ooh. <laughs> it's a little. And oh yeah, that one. It's we initially were gonna do it the week after the spring game. Of course, everything relates back to football and back to work. Um, but we were, we were gonna do it the week after because uh, hey, I had heard had a little tip that when the spring game was going to be, and then they decided to push it back. And so we ended up having to change the date because I didn't want to do it right before because knowing my luck, that day will end up being an open practice, and I'll be really mad. That would be nice. Open practices were nice last year. They were. I don't expect us to get them at all. Which sucks. Like, I don't even think, I don't even think, speaking of, I don't even think that we're getting, like, photo availability pre-practice. I think that's going to happen, like, once. Like, I don't think we're even getting that. That sucks. But at the same time... I understand what they're doing, though. They're on a different, and just as a real quick aside, like, because there's been a bunch of talk about this, too, about it's always, you always get a little pushback when coaches really lock things down. In this case, I think it's warranted because think about all the extra people that want to be around the program. Yep. Like um, one of the other changes that Scott Frost has put in is that as a high school coach, you can only come to two practices, um, including the coaches clinic day. Um, And if you come to a practice or want to come, you have to submit a form through your official school email to prove that you're an employee there. Like they've made, they're trying to lock that thing down, but I think it's correct because otherwise it's going to be nuts. Think about what those Mike Riley practices look like. On the sidelines, yeah. and how many people were there just milling around? Um, versus well, this would be what a media would circus. Yes, versus what would happen with Scott Frost. The first practice, you'd have guys from Yahoo and ESPN and, and the, more of the national outlets, you'd have them here. Yeah, and when I've talked to a couple of those guys nationally, like a couple of buddies who work for Sporting News and so on those places, and they're like, yeah, we definitely plan on coming to Lincoln the first yeah. chance we get. Yeah. So, and people, I think there's a lot of people that are waiting for Nebraska to be better so that they can start coming back here because people do love being here, Especially for game days, um, we just got to get there. College football needs Nebraska to be good. They do. It's a thing. They do. Greg, I enjoyed it. It's good stuff, man. It was fun. Maybe we were short this week. <laughs> we we just hit thirty minutes. Oh wow! It, it feels like it's been three. Oh, that's nice. 
My face hurts so much. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, like I've tried to not talk very much during this because my face hurts so much. It's alright. Alright. Keep it with Air Varsity through the weekend. We'll have some more stuff up. We've got baseball. Uh, Nebraska opens conference play against Minnesota this weekend. Mike Babcock will have you covered with that. And then on Tuesday, Nebraska's back from spring break and we'll begin spring ball again. So we'll have plenty of stuff up then. And until next week. Thanks, guys.